Everyone knows Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication between law enforcement and the community. Over the course of the last year, we have become painfully aware of the very negative headlines national media projected across the country regarding all law enforcement agencies. Over the last several months, and after numerous investigations, we have learned that these negative headlines did not tell the whole story but rather painted a picture designed to diminish the rule of law and those whose job it is to enforce it. Law Matters wants you to hear all the facts so you can decide for yourself. As these investigations conclude, these stories will be featured on our Truth Matters page on lawmatters1030.org website. Now, let's start the show. Welcome, everybody, to Law Matters here this morning here. Cochise County has invaded the studio here. Uh, I'll be your host today, Sheriff Mark Downs out of Cochise County. I got some honored guests here. But before we introduce our guest, uh, tomorrow is Super Bowl, and that's where Sherry is, our normal host. So she asked me to fill in today. I've had the opportunity and the honor to do that before. So, again, it's, it's nice to be sitting in her chair here, keeping it alive this weekend. But uh, Super Bowl is tomorrow. We're going to go to our first guest here, uh, Kenny Bradshaw, commander with the sheriff's office. John Ladd, legacy rancher, and Todd Lindall, a sergeant with the sheriff's department. But before we have you guys introduce yourselves, who's going to win the Super Bowl tomorrow, Kenny? Well, uh, good morning, Sheriff. Uh I'm a Denver Broncos fan, so I look at uh, the Chiefs, and you know, not a not a big fan of the Chiefs, and I think they're uh, pretty strong. But uh, I would hope the Eagles win, but I'm thinking the Chiefs have the strength. To so you're going the the AFC route, then is what you're saying? Right, yeah, because of Denver. Well, yeah, yeah, that's too bad. Okay, <laughs> John, who's going to win? Kansas City. Kansas City. That's all I need to say. <laughs> okay, well, I'll counter that in a minute. Todd, who's going to win? Um, I I think Kansas City will win. Um, I, I hope Philadelphia does, but uh, I, I really think Kansas City will pull it out. Well, I got, I think the Eagles are going to take it. I think it's going to be a blowout. And let me tell you why. So you guys are – let me tell you why. I saw another show yesterday. I talked about this. Malone's hurt. The Eagles are a well-oiled machine. I mean, look what they did to San Francisco. They came in there, and they thought that it was going to be a great game. They just – they they trashed them. Bottom line is, I think Eagles going to run away with this. And uh, and like I said, your quarterbacks, your quarterbacks hurt. I mean, he's got a bad ankle. One good takedown on him, I, it's going to be over. It's going to be a blowout. So everybody, stay tuned for the halftime show because that's going to be the excitement of your Super Bowl tomorrow. And uh, so Sherry, that's who Sherry's up there at the uh, Super Bowl. So uh, we're jealous, Sherry. I hope you enjoy your your weekend off, and she'll be back next week. So let's start with Kenny Bradshaw. Kenny, talk to you. Tell the tell the viewers who you are and uh, what you do here at the sheriff's office. Thank you, Sheriff. Um, I started with the uh, Department of Corrections in 1986. I'm working on my 37th year in detention and corrections. But you look so young. Yeah. I like that. You know? I, I'm glad we're on radio. Uh, <clears throat> so I did 24 years with the Department of Corrections. Uh, Sheriff Deaver hired me as the jail commander um, in 2010. Since then, uh, we've been, um, I, my responsibilities have expanded. Uh, thank you, Sheriff. I'm now in charge of three jails in Cochise County, uh, all the uh, search and rescue, volunteers, uh, sheriff's assist team, evidence, and secretary. So everybody who's not sworn is pretty much falls under my command. So, John. John Ladd, Legacy Rancher. I've worked with you. John's a celebrity. He's alumni of this show. I mean, he's been on the show before. And tell us about yourself, John. Well, good morning, and thank you for inviting me. I'm humbled, but... Uh my family's ranched down there on the border for 127 years, and uh, I'm fourth generation. Uh, I I grew up with the border, and uh, it, it's evolved for the worse. Um, we we had a four year reprieve when 
Donald Trump was president, but right now with this administration, it's worse it's ever been. And your your dad, I mean, talked about your dad. I mean, there, there some be said. I mean, legacy ranchers, which is very common in Arizona and beyond. I mean, your dad's been on that ranch. Your dad's uh, I don't throw his age out there, but. I mean, just historical, iconic person for Cochise County. Right. Well, yeah, my dad's 96, and uh, he's still going strong. He's out there bailing hay. The, the man's yeah, amazing. Yeah, he, I mean, uh, he is. It, um, but, well, you know, go back to my great-grandparents, and, you know, they homesteaded before NACO was a town. Um, so we've been there a long time. And, it, yeah, the, the whole remoteness, it, we're not remote anymore, and then we... Uh, our east end is the border town, and our west end is the San Pedro River. So we're right in the middle of all the politics going on in the, the Cochise County. How, how many acres, John? 16,000. 16,000 acres. People can't even fathom that. And uh, and I've always said this, and I'll continue to say it, ranchers and farmers are the stewards of the land because that, right. that promotes your quality of life. And there's so much, and you've heard criticism about ranchers not doing the right thing or farmers. And I, I would counter that based on my experience. And it's limited as a farmer rancher. I'm not in the business, but working around you and being your sheriff and seeing the quality of work you guys do, I, I, I commend you because it's a tough business right now. It is. And you know, it, this goes back to the political climate of this administration, Biden, and you know, global warming and everything. But the bottom line is, is farming and ranching, if you don't take care of your property, you're not going to be in business. That's the bottom line. And I agree 100%. I think people forget that. I mean, I mean, you, you hear the, the, the lawsuits out there, the environmental lawsuits, but I tell you, everything I've seen from the good ranchers and farmers out there, I mean, they need to be commended for what they do, not, not criticized. Absolutely. And we appreciate you. So thank you, John. Our next guest in the studio, new to the studio, is Todd Lindell, sergeant with the sheriff's office. Todd and I have worked together many years. Todd, introduce yourself, please. Yeah, thanks, sheriff. Uh, yeah, my name is Todd Lindell. Uh, I'm with the uh, Cochise County Sheriff's Department. Been there 26 years. Uh, I currently oversee our criminal interdiction team um, that uh, we stood up here in September of 2022. Long time. A long time. You know, it's nice. So you, I called Todd yesterday. I said, hey, Todd, do you want to be on the radio show? And he was like, yeah, I could. I? And he was so excited. So I rode up with Todd, and uh, he laughs at me right there. But no, Todd's done a stellar job. We're going to go back to Todd in just a minute. But let's start off with our jail. You know, people forget the importance in the criminal justice of, of having a good quality jail. It's the hub of the criminal justice system. Uh, Kenny, you've been around a long, long time. You've seen the evolution from the state prisons to county. I think you're the longest-serving GO commander in Cochise County uh, that I can remember. Uh, I've served there almost 39 years at the sheriff's office in one capacity or another uh, or in the county. So I've seen a lot of evolution on that. But So you've been there a long time. You've seen it. Where are we at with our jail and what's going on there? Well, thank you, Sheriff. Um, we have uh, three jails in Cochise County just because of the size of it, you know, 6,300 square miles. Uh, we have a, a satellite jail in Sierra Vista, which is the population center, and that holds 19 beds. We also have a jail in Wilcox that holds 16, and then our main jail in Bisbee has 302. Our main jail was built in 1985. It's almost 40 years old. It's just really starting to fall apart. We had record numbers of population uh, within the last month, um, we were up in the 320s, 325, uh, 330 at one point. Uh, and like I said, our max capacity is 302. So with trying to take care of classification and 
assigning people to where they're safe and keeping folks safe just gets harder and harder. And the reason for that population expansion was mostly border issues. In 2022, we had 1,578 people that were put in jail on border-related issues. Of that 1,578, only 78 were foreign-born. That just creates just more and more issues for local taxpayers where the federal government should be taking care of those issues. Uh, I'm really appreciative to... uh, the state, the state has helped us out with some grants to help um, reimburse some of our costs. Uh, up to we had four point two million dollars in costs in just incarcerating those uh, with border crime. So it, it's just been really tough lately. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to get a new facility where we can we can safely have our staff work, where we can safely house these these individuals that need to be separated from the community. So uh, we've gone to the Board of Supervisors and talked about, you know, st- establishing a jail district. And we established a, a public uh, advisory group, and the public advisory group toured the jail. They got all kinds of, of presentations on staffing, on how the jail works, on water, on electric, um, how what works and what doesn't work. And they unanimously decided to go to the Board of Supervisors and recommend that we do a jail district for a new jail. So, so far, uh, we're looking really good on that. On May 16th, we're going to have a special election in Cochise County. Um, we're hoping that uh, the jail district passes so that we can start looking at building a new facility and, and make it just safer for the community and safer for all the people that work there. You know, one of the biggest challenges, and people don't understand, when a jail was built 40 years ago and compared to today's industry standards, like you say, mental health. Mental health is huge in the jail. Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, and you know, as 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 being a very active sheriff, any like deputy <laughs> any deputy on the road, the, the third time they're called to to Circle K during their uh, during their shift because some guys out front yelling and screaming and cussing out everybody that's 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 coming in. In Cochise County, it's such a rural area that they don't have a choice to to just pick them up and take them to the local mental health treatment center because they don't exist in Cochise County. So they end up coming to jail with, with charges of trespassing or disorderly, whatever the case may be. Well, once that person gets into the criminal justice system, then it just starts a spiral. Um, some of these people are so ill that we can't place them in general population because they'll be preyed upon by the general population or they might injure them. So a lot of times we're ending up having to isolate them. And you or I, I isolated for any amount of time would start to lose it a little bit. And these people already have problems to begin with, so we're not doing them any good. So we're really looking for a lot of solutions for the mental health issues in Cochise County. We, we did a survey, and talk about the survey. The three priorities I think are so important to get out there, and I think this would be consistent whether you're in Pima County, whether you're in um, Iowa. Uh, tell me, what's the three priorities on that poll they took in our community? So, yeah, we, we hired a company to take a look at when we were looking at developing a jail district, and, and they took that survey, and the three biggest priorities were staff, inmate safety, um, mental health, and just a good, secure, safe location to take those people that don't need to be in the community and, and put them in a secure location, just to keep the community safe. That was the third priority. And that goes back to quality of life. Absolutely. Again, whether you're living here or anywhere in the country, the bottom line is people expect quality of life. And they forget that the jails are criminal justice hubs to hold those people that shouldn't be roaming around communities. I mean, they're they're violent. Uh, they're, they're, they've offended in a way that they're re-offend. So to have enough facility that can hold them properly uh, was a priority. And I... 
The other thing I was really optimistic about, too, was uh, the percentage of people that would support it. Talk to us about that. Right. So as we've gone around and talked to people and, and, and gone to different community meetings, you know, the community has been very supportive. Uh, the survey looked around and they said definitely over almost 60 percent of the of the people that they surveyed would be in support of of a jail district, which would be a half cent sales tax. We're not going after all the citizens of the of the county and, and on a property tax. We're looking at a sales tax. So anybody that comes into the county that buys a soda that that gets gas, whatever the case may be, those people that come from Mexico because we we have 81 miles of, of border. Um, so we do have a lot of people that legally cross and shop in Cochise County. So all those people would contribute to the to the jail fund. It wouldn't just be those citizens of the county. I think that's that's the way we need to look at it because those are the people that actually, like it or not, utilize the jail. So we have those people that you know get kicked off the Greyhound bus as they travel th- across I-10, or those people that you know cross the border and commit a state crime and those are the people that end up in the jail so they should contribute to to funding the new facility and, and i agree with you 100 percent on that jails are cities within themselves they're inclusive to the fact that we have to have stores in there we Correct. have to have health departments in there uh, kitchen in there pretty much entertainment in its own way education all the things that come through especially on the juveniles talk to me a little bit about juveniles in our jail so we have a long history with juveniles in Cochise County being charged as adults. Uh, four, five, six years ago, I know you worked with our, our county attorney, Brian McIntyre, when the cartels were really using juveniles to smuggle marijuana across, and that was a big deal back then. Um, and the federal government didn't have any way, no process, anything to charge those juveniles. So you worked with uh, the county attorney and developed a process where we would charge them locally. At one time, we had up to 36 juveniles that were charged as adults that were housed in in the jail. Since then, they got the message, obviously, and we haven't had that problem. And these are border-related crimes. And these are all border-related, smuggling and everything else. And there for five or six years, it was great. And then, you know, the new administration came in. We started having all these uh, smuggling problems. So instead of marijuana, we now have these juveniles that are driving mom's Lexus down from Phoenix, picking up three or four bodies at two to five thousand dollars a shot and try and get them back up north they're speeding felony flight uh just endangering the community and we end up charging them as adults now and currently we have uh nine in in jail that are charged with that and the problem with juveniles being in an adult jail is we have to keep them sight and sound separated we have to abide by the school lunch program uh, we have to um, provide education for them so it's a whole different group of programs and and services that we have to provide that normally we wouldn't have to if if we weren't dealing with all this juvenile problem. And I would agree with that. And you and I were just in D.C. And one thing I've um, always stated that Cochise County is known for being the only county in the country named after a tribal chief. And that's Cochise, a part of the Apache tribe. And I met an individual uh, that he he's a, came out of Florida and there was actually the county named after a tribal chief. So right. I have to correct myself. Now, there's, we're one of two in the country <laughs> named after a tribal chief. So I'm sure uh, as we go on and travel that uh, we might find a couple more. But right, for a so long time, we thought we were I, the only one. I had to tell the Arizona historians I was wrong. So uh, I'm going to fix that. But I want to come back to you here in a little bit. When it comes to uh, when people die in jails, those are headlines. But I want to talk about that. I know you got some pretty good uh, thoughts on that. So let's move over to John Ladd. John, um, Three or four years ago, you mentioned in here uh, on the previous administration what a difference it is now compared to 
uh, then. Talk to me about that. Well, it, Donald Trump, in his assessment of what was coming from Mexico, was absolutely the truth. Um, and and he put a stop to it. Uh, you know, rapists, murderers, thugs. Uh, Mexico wants them in our country. The cartel is coordinating with them to disrupt our society. The drugs and just the general crime that, that they're creating, it, it's causing havoc nationwide. And even before Donald Trump, you started the Sabre program, which basically you were interdicting drugs. And, and that was what we've had over half a million illegals caught on our ranch but the drugs was the danger for not only us, but the community. And that Sabre program, we haven't had drugs for five years. John, let me, let me stop you. I mean, think about this for a minute. I mean, that's your home. That's your sacred area. Half a million people have been crossed on your lands. Right. That, those are trespassers. Let's, let's face it. That's Absolutely. what they are. They've been on your property. I mean, and think about when you go out and go out in your ranch to check on your your cattle, or you're going out there to check on your fencing. Half a million people. Just the odds of you coming across somebody is pretty high, is it not? No, it's a, it's it's a given. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I mean that that's where it's been, um, and it you know that started when President Reagan gave amnesty. That that's when the people started coming. They were going to get in line to get amnesty again. The problem with it is Reagan's plan, they agreed to enforce the immigration laws, but they didn't do it for him. That's where it started. Um, Border Patrol, they gained access to our ranch in 1990. And uh, being a federal law enforcement, uh, they're, they're handcuffed with all the humanitarian rules and and then America has a concept that these these are just poor people coming to better their life in America, and and that's never been true. Uh, they're taking advantage of it. There is some poor people that are coming, but they've been uh, they want to be a citizen, but they don't know how to do it or they can't afford it. But it, for the most part, these people are just taking advantage of our society and America being the greatest country in the world. John, you've been a victim of. Of crimes, I, I believe they've stolen your vehicle. Oh yeah. Um, I know we've had pursuits by your ranch house with yeah. high deadly speeds going by there. I mean, this this is where you sit out and enjoy enjoy the sunsets. Yeah. And so reality is different on your lens. And as you speak today, uh, I've known you a long, long time. I mean, you're a humanitarian. You care about people. You care about uh, this country. But this is in your backyard. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. I. Oh, I think we're up to, we've had four vehicles stolen. We've had thousands of dollars of tools and saddles. I've, I've had horses stolen. You've had cattle die. Well, yeah, I've had cattle shot. They uh, roped and tied up to a mesquite tree and starved to death to send me a message to quit messing with them. Um, it, it, and we're used to it, but it's not acceptable. Um, and we're not moving, but... Just because we ranch on the border, where does that enter into being an American citizen and expecting the protection and and the ability to be an American? Well, I've always said this, whether you live on the border like you and your legacy family and 
or you live downtown Scottsdale. It shouldn't be different. Right. You're, you're an American. I agree. Let me ask you, John, how many, in your estimate, of deceased people or migrants have died on your on your uh, land? Well, I know of 16 in in the last 30 years. We, we had two last year. Um, and it, to me, that's been the hardest thing for me to accept and see. Um, and, it, you know, I, I do agree with you. We are, all, most ranchers are humanitarian. I would agree. But when when you see, well, the, the first couple of people that I saw, they were running from Border Patrol and died, heart attacks. But then when you find somebody dead for three days in the middle of the summer, that's a wake-up call. It truly is. And you imagine 16 deceased people on their property. I mean, that, that, to find one in a lifetime is almost remarkable uh, or unheard of. But that 16, I know we had one just recently on your property. And this goes back to our approach at the sheriff's office and the collective efforts between state, local, and federal working together with our border patrol partners. We had a group that was being smuggled across your property, John. Uh, one of the migrants became ill. The group, though the coyote left them behind, they got to the highway to be picked up. Uh, Border Patrol, Sheriff's, DPS, we all intervened, uh, grabbed the group, grabbed the driver. They told us, the migrants said, hey, there's one back there on your property. We went back there, Border Patrol found him, put him up on a horse, started to bring him out. He said he was okay, got him off the horse. He collapsed and died on your land. Yep. Yeah. We actually charged the uh, smuggler for murder. And and that's the... uh, what we're doing in our county to make a difference and provide consequences under the rule of law. So I know that person uh, that passed away on your property. Again, that's another death. That, that's an emotional draw on you as a rancher. Sure. Um, and, well, and I, it, the the last one, that, that was um, the f- first one from last year, and it, it might have been in uh, 21, but the last one was this summer, and the Sabre team in search and rescue ended up, they, the, they have an app now in Mexico that they give the illegals on their cell phone. And if you get in trouble, you push a button and it gives you a location, pins you. Right. But two days before I got the call from search and rescue, I had my two grandsons with these 10 and 6, and the 6-year-old smelled him. And he said, Grandpa, that's not a dead cow. And it, put that in, you know, uh, you know, my grandkids are ranch kids and everything else, but when you got a six-year-old that can tell the different smell between a dead cow and a dead body, it, we shouldn't have to live that way. No, you, you shouldn't. And, and I'll throw an example of we had a third grader walking to school where she's walking down the road going to school and looked into the shoulder right off the road and there was a deceased migrant that fell ill the smuggler rolled him out onto the road. We got a call from the school that morning saying, what can we do for the family? What can we do for the, the third grader? Third graders should not be exposed to that. Yeah. But that's a reality of living on the border too, that's John. True. This was a rural school that she was walking to. So, again, I, 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 the reason you're on this show, the reason we're sharing this with is, is I, I can't put out what national media puts out. I can't because it depends on who you're watching is what you feel good about but the reality of what's going on in Cochise County and in all the counties I mean talking to our federal uh, partners from Border Patrol like I said just met with them there's not a county that's not impacted in a negative way 
either you're engaged in it or you're ignoring it. I mean, it's the bottom line, and I think you would agree. And That's right. John, I know there was a recent is- incident just west of us in another county where the you know, rancher is being held on charges. I mean, and, I, and we're not going to talk about the case because I don't know about it, and it's, it wouldn't be right for me to talk about it. But I can talk to you and ask you your feelings as a rancher living on the county. I, there's got to be a vigilant. Uh, you're up, You're always guarded in that aspect. Talk to me about that. Absolutely. Well, and you and I've talked about this a lot, and that goes back to your ranch advisory team, and, you know, we've all had the the what if, what are you going to do if somebody's threatening your life? And the reality is, if if you're ranching on the border now, you you have nothing to say about trespassers on your ranch. The question comes into how are you going to respond if somebody's breaking in your house? And then on top of that, are they threatening you or are they just going to break in your house and steal stuff? And and that's a reality of living on the border. And we, I know where you stand, you're going to be there for anybody living on, whether ranchers, farmers, individuals with 40 acres. But the fact is, is that we agree that if you hesitate, are you going to get killed over the deal? And and we've all decided, you know, we've had family discussions, we've had discussions with you, is we're not going to let that happen. But we're not going to go out and detain somebody. We're not going to uh, harass them. You know, I call either you or the Border Patrol. And and that's the end of it. But that, it, our, we're losing our right of self-defense in america well i appreciate the perspective and that's one of the reasons we asked you to be a guest on this show john so our viewers can hear from you and see the lens of a rancher or somebody that lives on the border and, and i'm a big believer in the rule of law absent politics absence of emotions sensitivity or even opinions the rule of law is based on facts so we appreciate your perspective on that i'm going to come back and talk to you a little bit more here in just a minute but we're going to take a break then we're going to go to sergeant todd linadal and hear of what's going on in the enforcement side we'll be back after these messages hello everyone sheriff mark Daniels here the cochise county sheriff's office wants to remind you We will never call you about a warrant for your arrest. Scammers use fear tactics to get into your wallet. Some red flags to look for. Number one, when the caller is creating a sense of urgency. For example, you need to take care of this right now because deputies are on their way to arrest you. Number two, when they ask you to pay with gift cards. And number three, as I said before, the Cochise County Sheriff's Office will not call you about an outstanding warrant. Scammers are creative and sometimes spoof actual sheriff's office numbers and use real deputies names if you feel you have been a victim of a scam contact local law enforcement immediately keep up with the latest scams at the cochise county sheriff's office social media pages stay alert and stay safe cochise county law matters live show airs every saturday morning at eight Our February 18th show will be a live debate between the independent candidates running for mayor. Law Matters is funded by your generous donations. Please visit our sponsorship page located on lawmatters1030.org to join our mission and keep the conversation going. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org. 
Cochise County Sheriff's Office is hiring detention officers. You must be 18 years old and have a high school diploma or GED. Starting salary is $40,000 a year, plus health benefits and retirement. Deputies must be 21 years old, so this is a great opportunity to start your law enforcement career at 18 and then apply to be a deputy at 21. To apply, visit Cochise.az.gov. Start your career as a detention officer at the Cochise County Sheriff's Office. Visit Cochise.az.gov. Welcome back, everyone, to Law Matters here. My name is Sheriff Mark Downs. I'm sitting in for Sherry, who's at the Super Bowl. Uh, I've already got a text from people saying, you know, about the Kansas City is going to win this. I'm like, okay, we'll see. We'll see. So, obviously, we, we sparked some viewer attention. I like that. So, Sherry, I hope you're having a good time up there at the Super Bowl. And uh, our next guest, Sergeant Todd Linadal with the Sheriff's Office. And, Todd, you're part of a new program at the Sheriff's Office. Talk to us about that. Yeah, um, I like to mention earlier, I'm part of our criminal interdiction team um, that is uh, funded by a DEMA grant that we got, and that's the DEMA stands for Department uh, Emergency Military Fire Affairs um, through the state. Um, they uh, we received the grant in 2022. Um, we stood up our our team, which is uh, which consists of five deputies, um, and then. Uh, myself now my my position is not funded through that however the the five deputies are um, and basically we go out and and do interdiction um, on our highways in Cochise County uh, right now our our major focus is is the smuggling uh, that's taking place down there and and um, there's plenty of work to be done uh, in that area Todd talk to us about the size of your team and, and talk to us about people ask us all the time about you know, we're, we're state peace officers, our immigration authority. Talk to us about that. Yeah, we we don't have um, immigration authority like the, the our federal partners, Border Patrol, does. However, um, this year um, there's a new law that uh, was passed uh, in the state um, for uh, smuggling. And, and we utilize that law um, to um, put cases on these smugglers that we catch. Um, uh, right now, I believe we are the only county, Cochise County is the only county uh, in the state that is actually prosecuting um, this new law. Um, it, it's challenging uh, at times, and, and we understand that there will be some um, court challenges uh, with that, and our county attorney is is uh, doing a great job with that. But, uh, again, they only want to really take forward the cases that um, um, have a good chance of being uh, concluded with a conviction so um we're we're seeing that and and we're enforcing the the smuggling part of that we can't call it immigration uh, but certainly the smugglers are are the ones that are uh, being held accountable uh, when they transport within our county i i know this law went into effect september 28th of 2022 and again you're right todd that we're the, i think we're still the only county that's enforcing that law and this law gives us the opportunity when you look at 1500 people that were booked in our jail for border crimes are u.s citizens that are coming to our county to commit international crime that's putting a 40 to 45 percent population growth in our count in our jail it's huge but from September 28th to December, we had over 100 smugglers arrested on this new law, which is a Class Two felony, and that's what you're primarily dealing with. And these people talk. What's the caliber of people that are coming here to partake in international crime, Todd? 
it, 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 there's a wide variety of it. Um, you know, we're we're seeing um, the the ages uh, of these smugglers uh, anywhere from I think the the youngest one was 13 years old, um, all the way up to 72. Um, and, 72. And 72. Yeah. Uh, there. I mean, there. There's there. The age of these smugglers are, is is. Uh, um, you know, pretty expansive, but um, uh, we've had mother-daughter teams come out of Phoenix where the keep it in the family. Yeah, yeah apparently, the family. Uh, apparently. Um, so yeah, it, it's there's there's no uh, you know no no certain age that that does this. There's no you know male female. We're seeing all of it, and um, on average, I'd say the the average load uh, of illegals that we're catching are probably three to four. Um, however, the other night we had, uh, last Thursday, matter of fact, we had a load of 11 uh, that we caught with a 15-year-old driver. So, uh, And it's not necessarily um, illegals that are doing the transporting. It's U.S. citizens. They're, they're being um, found on certain social media apps. Um, they're being um, recruited through pretty substantial monetary um, uh, ways. Um, and right now we're seeing um, that that has dropped a little bit. When it first started, uh, they were getting paid anywhere from a thousand to two thousand dollars a head. Um, now we're seeing more around the four hundred to thousand dollars a head. For whatever reason, the cartels have dropped their their uh, their payments. But um, it's yeah. like a, it's like a business model. Oh. There, there's a big demand for it, but there's also I mean the supply is adequate. There, it just it's a crime that keeps giving. Sadly. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, and if there's, if there was any doubt that, you know, the cartels are behind this, let me tell you, we, we stopped a, a gentleman that ran from us uh, last week and he was out of, he was out of Utah. And, um, after we got in a chase with him, we used tire deflation devices on his vehicle. Um, we started talking to him and, and he was one of the few that actually was willing to provide us some information uh, and he basically stated that he and his sister were receiving threats up in Utah uh, from the cartel uh, and that he had um, previously had a load that he was transporting that got caught uh, so now he owed a debt to the cartel and the cartel had him down here uh, smuggling uh, to try to pay off that debt so you know we, we see the stories and I hear them uh, from the team uh, from Todd's team and one thing I, you know, we've had people make, one guy made, made over a half a million dollars smuggling in Cochise County. Flipped that around, he had an addiction that was taking that money right back into uh, fentanyl and heroin and meth and all the illicits. Then we've had former law enforcement, had a former cop out of Chicago, Illinois, had a cop out of Tucson PD that was decertified uh, for bad acts. And so uh, the, the smuggling doesn't discriminate. I mean, it doesn't matter who. But what the saddest part, I mean is when we see these juveniles, Todd, the, these kids are out here at driving cars, don't have a driver's license. They have no discipline, so they're they're reckless, but they're also deadly in that aspect. We have a 16-year-old right now in our jail for murder. Absolutely, yeah. They, they um, A lot of them don't have licenses, like you said, Sheriff. They um, And when they pick up, they're trying to get out of the area, uh, so their speeds are extremely extremely dangerous 100 miles plus with nobody chasing them They're, that's just their speed to try to get out of the area and then of course um, they get contacted by law enforcement because of the speed uh, and and now we have a high-speed chase um, that is dangerous to our public 
but not because we are chasing it. It was a danger before we started chasing it. And, and you know, we, we have an obligation to try to bring that to an end so that we can protect the people that are uh, on our roadways. And this has been a tough challenge. Just I think that we've got what, a third revision of our pursuit policy, meeting current community needs, but also protecting our office, the taxpayers, because the fiscal part of this. So it, it's a real challenge in doing this. But talk to us about some stories. Give me Share some stories if you would. I know we have a deputy on admin leave. It just came off. just got cleared uh, by his story or the story you told me on the way up here about uh, your deputy last week and that pursuit. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I won't mention the deputy's name, but uh, the deputy that just got off of his, uh, um, his leave, we'll call it, um, was uh, conducted a traffic stop. Um, and upon approaching the vehicle, um, he... Uh, had contact with the driver, uh, sees that there are um, illegal subjects in the vehicle, pulls the driver out, um, goes to put cuffs on him to detain him, uh, and the driver starts to fight him. The fight carries out into the middle of the highway. Um, That particular highway is a two-lane northbound, two-lane southbound with a middle turn lane. Uh, Anyway, they're they're struggling uh, in the middle of that uh, highway, um, as he is getting uh, hands on him and starting to cuff the subject, uh, or I believe he did get him cuffed, a vehicle comes by and actually rips the suspect driver out of the deputy's hands and kills him. Um, needless to say, that had a, a negative effect on that deputy, uh, and, and it would have a negative effect on anybody, I would I would assume. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there, and we believe that driver that hit um, that that subject... Uh, was more than likely uh, smuggling as well. And that vehicle was never located. It was a hit and run. Correct. So, And the vehicle was coming at a very high speed. You look at the, the body cam, which we're going to release here very soon on that. And and then you had a pursuit the other night, just a couple nights ago, where uh, the deputy was almost run over, spiked the vehicle. Talk to us about that one. That's a, yeah. And this is normal. And this is why I want to share these stories. This is a reality show, and I want to make sure we had the opportunity to do this. Thanks to Sherry. Yeah, absolutely. This this this. This type of thing uh, that I'm going to speak about occurs um, every week uh, that my unit's out there, um, sometimes uh, every day that we're out there working. But anyway, um, I stop a vehicle um, for speed, um, and I believed the vehicle and the subjects in it were um, connected to smuggling. Uh, but I stop it. I make contact with the uh, two female um, uh, females that are in the vehicle. Um, as I interview them uh, on where they're going, why they're down here. They're from Phoenix. The vehicle's registered out of Phoenix, uh, a rental company uh, company out of Phoenix. Um, But their story's just not making sense. I'll go back to my vehicle to um, run them, make sure they're clear of wants and warrants and their their licenses are valid. Um, One of my officers come up, um, asked me if I had talked to them, referenced any drugs. Um, He's one of my drug guys. Um, So he goes up to talk to them. He's there probably 10, 15 seconds. Um, the vehicle starts to roll. He goes to grab the door. Um, the driver punches it, uh, swerves back onto the highway, which would have ran over my officer had he not been uh, quick enough to jump out of the way. Uh, the pursuit ensues. Um, we are heading towards the city of Douglas. Um uh, we get units in place to spike the vehicle about seven miles uh, from where the stop occurred. Uh, those units success- successfully spike the vehicle. Uh, the vehicle keeps driving, um, even with all four tires down. 
um, it gets into the city of Douglas uh, instead of turning on the highway to head towards Bisbee. It actually goes towards the port of entry. Uh, we advised the port that it was coming towards them. She gets down there, um, realizes that uh, she's not going to get through there. She runs into a concrete barrier, shears off one of the uh, the tires or the rims, I'm sorry, that she was riding on. Uh, and this whole time she's on rims. She's not on any rubber, no tires. Sparks are flying. Um, she's not able to control it. It's almost like she's driving on ice, to be honest with you. Um, she's able to get out of the area of port of entry, heads into a neighborhood um, eventually, um, she gets stuck in some soft dirt, and the vehicles are just not going anywhere. Um, but she also, in the course of turning around at the port of entry, uh, rams into or runs into one of the uh, the officer that she actually almost hit on the traffic stop, runs into his vehicle, damaging that. Uh, but we end up getting them about a mile, mile and a half from the port uh, in the middle of a neighborhood, um, and both of those uh, ladies went to jail. Now, subsequently, not only for the fleeing part, um, the driver had three felony warrants out of Maricopa County. Uh, the passenger had a felony warrant out of Las Vegas. Um, and then we found drugs, drug paraphernalia, things of that nature uh, in the vehicle as well. That's pretty common for what we're seeing for our smuggler drivers, is it not? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And Which is reality again, folks, and that's why we're here doing this show. And uh, I want to go back to Commander Bradshaw here. Talk to us, and I know this is not a, uh, unique to Cochise County, but the de- when somebody dies in a jail, talk to me about that. They always seem to make headlines, but let's talk about that for a minute. Absolutely, Sheriff. So uh, I just got done with my uh, second stint as the, the president of the Arizona Jail Administrators Council. I, I travel around the country with you quite often. I've done some teaching around the country with the National Institute for Jail Operations. So I have a chance to talk to a lot of other jail administrators um, and leaders in, in corrections and detention. And it's a common problem throughout the United States. But as you know, if somebody, you know, fentanyl is such a huge issue and it just takes such a little bit of fentanyl to, to kill somebody. But if, you know, if somebody dies in, in, in their house, it's not on the front page. If somebody dies in an alley in in Sierra Vista in Cochise County, it doesn't make the paper. But if somebody dies in a squad car or in jail, it's immediately the sheriff's office fault and it's front page news. You know what? Bad things happen in good jails. If you're in the grocery store, it's happened quite often. Um, People just drop dead. Immediately, people are witnessing it. They start to render aid, um, provide CPR, everything else but... People pass away. It's what happens. But it seems as though the culture is just changing to the point where because we have custodial responsibility, which I totally understand, it's our job to keep them safe and we do everything we can. But people need to realize that in a certain population of people, people are going to pass away and they die. And you know, it doesn't matter what they die from, it seems like, no matter what, there's going to be a lawsuit. Even if if the person is you know living on the streets nobody's been helping them they don't list a next of kin because they don't have anybody that they talk to somebody passes away and within 30 days you know that was that was the breadwinner of the family they were going to provide for everybody uh in that family for the next 15 years and and the sheriff's office and you personally need to to compensate us for that so it, it, it just seems like it's a huge deal. The majority of our job is to protect the taxpayer and to prevent liability to the county. But in those situations, it just 
it's just very difficult, and a lot of times it ends up going all the way to a trial. Luckily, in the in the twelve years that I've been commander, we've only gone to two trials um, for those kind of things, and we've been successful in defending them both. So. Well, let me let me say this. You know, give you a little stats here. Fentanyl in twenty twenty one in Arizona, we seized five million plus pills. In twenty twenty two, it was twenty million pills. You go back, and people say, "Well, that's just current times." It's a popular thing. In 2019, over 2,000 pounds of fentanyl was seized on the southwest border. Last year, it was over 12,000 pounds, so six times more higher. This is something people don't talk about, which is killing Americans at a rate of about 300 a day. That's incredible. And you equate that to a commercial airline going down every day and 200 people plus dying. We would have intervention right now. Why haven't we done it? It's always a question. I continue to say that. Sheriffs in this country stand for public safety, national security, and humanitarian on this border. Over 1,000 people have died over the last two years. John, you're a recipient of those stats on, on your property. But let, let's let's talk just for a minute and, and about, you know, we've talked about the reality of the border, what we're dealing with, and uh, the checkpoints just went up in Cochise County. John, how's that impacted you on your ranch? Well, it... Uh, it it hasn't been positive, and, and I've always been in favor of the checkpoints. Um, what the consequences are is we lost a lot of our agents at the Brian Terry Station to come up and process at the Tucson Border Patrol of the thousand-a-day give-ups coming from Yuma. So we were already down a third of our agents on the border because of that they open the checkpoints and half of what we have left patrolling the border in NACO is back up working the checkpoints the consequence of that that, that was good to start with it, because uh, Mallorca shut them down you know that you know for the last two years we haven't had them yes. that contributed to the high speed chases at free shot to get to I-10 so now, with the agents running the checkpoints, we don't have anybody on the border. And so it's been a negative impact, in in my opinion. I hate to say it that way. Um, so, and we've talked about this before, is why don't you have, like, a sheriff department or the local cops running, helping you run the checkpoint? Well, it's federal. But it's in your county. and But manpower is the issue. And, and you go even a step further, there's nobody training to be Border Patrol right now. And it, within three years, there'll be less than 10,000 agents on the southern border because of attrition and retirement. And, and that's one thing we see a lot, John, is the, the fracture of the infrastructure for Border Patrol, whether it's judicial oversight whether it's staffing like you're talking about, uh, the aerostats. I mean, there's only four aerostats left on the southwest border. Uh, the rest were taken down. We expect, well, I just got back from D.C., we expect another year, and then ours will be in question too. And, yep. and those are huge. I had a bailout the other night coming back home about 5 o'clock, and uh, five of them plus or minus ran. We ended up getting four of them. Got the driver who was out of Utah, but the reason we caught those was because of our aerostat. So, it's again, it's another tool that helps us keep our community safe. And I think that's these checkpoints. They didn't add more staffing. They thinned out the staffing to run them. I'm a proponent of secondary checkpoints. But you, we got to get back into 
supporting or securing our borders. I'm also a big believer in the fact that the um, it's a collective effort. It's community, local, state, and federal all working together. And right now that works very well. And supporting the rule of law, the collective message that goes along with that. But we got to get the federal government back engaged. I think that's a big. We talk about that all the time down there. Yeah, right. Well, you know, we we've, we've been promoting the empowering the sheriffs more. They're they're already the the ruling law enforcement of your county, but you know as well as anybody that the park service, any federal property is has tried to lock you out of it, and, yeah. and with with your persuasion, you've got access back to it. But this the federal part of where we're at right now with Biden and Mayorkas and everything, it's a deliberate plan to let people in this country. And my big issue, I've, we were in Washington with you a couple of months ago and the meetings that we've had. What are you going to do with the five million people in the the last two years from Biden? Where, where are they going to go? What are they going to do? We're catering to them as our society and so, Americans are getting left out of the picture because they don't these people coming in don't speak English waiting for their asylum hearing or whatever they're going to do here where are we at with this what are we going to do with these millions of people coming that's a huge question we have a question from a viewer is what is an aerostat aerostat is the the blimp the the balloon in the sky that helps provide aerial surveillance and enforcement and they can track. It's amazing equipment they have up there. So my understanding, there's four left. Uh, Cochise County being one of them. So that's that. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, John. I mean, truly. Talk to about uh, what are you seeing? I mean, Tucson sector, which is part of Cochise County, is pretty much primarily uh, gotaways. That's the people that we see. They don't give up like you see in Del Rio, Yuma. These people fight and flight. But what are you seeing? Is that what you're seeing on your ranch, too? Right. Um backing up a little bit we we've got a wall uh we've got eight miles a 30 foot wall from donald trump we've got two and a half miles of the 18 foot wall from obama um it's a great tool i'm in favor of it but if you don't have somebody patrolling the border it it's useless the fact is uh everybody's seen the thousand of people a day coming through Texas. Yuma hasn't been on TV a lot, but we're getting oh three or four hundred a day in the thirty-three miles of what Border Patrol AOR Area Responsibility. They're in full camo, booties, baklavas, and a cell phone. They don't want to be caught. They're not asylum seekers. They're running, fighting, biting kicking the whole time because they don't want to get caught to have a record they're not going to get processed that's what you guys are dealing with and texas has a little bit of that they have some of the high speed chases and all that but we're dealing with people that don't want to get caught and i would agree 100 percent. that's all 99 percent is what we're dealing with but Todd, we worked on a lot of solutions over the last several years. Uh, can you go through those quickly? We've got about four minutes left. Kind of talk about what some of our solutions are. Sure. And thanks to our, our state partners, uh, we've gotten some um, grants, uh, again, from that Department of Emergency Military Affairs. Um, I know you've worked extensively on, on getting us these grants to try to um, help our border issue that we have. But uh, one of the things we have, we have a, a, a border, um, I guess, it, 
building that we're going to do where we're going to house uh, several uh, state, federal, uh, and local partners. Uh, but this building will be designated um, for strictly border issues, border uh, units, um, to try to enforce uh, any other crimes that happen down uh, along the border. Um, along with that, in that building will be our uh, what we call our Sabre team. Uh, our Sabre team um, hosts and, and works with about 1,200 cameras that we have along the, um, the border, uh, extending from uh, California all the way into New Mexico. Um, those That camera system uh, is uh, essential in basically providing our our federal partners and our state partners uh, with information uh, so that they can go out and try to apprehend uh, these individuals that are coming across. And And I agree 100% with, with Mr. Ladd that um, we are seeing the the different side that you see on TV. You see the TV ones where they're given up and, um, you know, they, they want to seek asylum. Those aren't the people that we're dealing with. Uh, if that's the case, we wouldn't be having these 120 mile an hour chases. We wouldn't have the bailouts that we have. So, um, I agree 100% that we're dealing with a different mindset uh, of those uh, uh, people coming across. And we just received a grant for from the Arizona <coughs> Attorney General's Office for opiates. Uh, we're using that for prevention education, going to our schools, marketing, bringing an awareness to what's going on. And again, you, we, we talk about the enforcement side of this, people in jail, but we're also trying to hit it on the front end of education awareness too because when you're losing 300 people a day i mean you're affecting schools families and communities so we want to hit that edge of it too and i just want to close out here in the last minute or so uh last year 229 professional law enforcement officers were killed in this country and 323 were ambushed or shot assaulted Uh, that's alarming numbers it is. I had the opportunity to speak with the FBI director uh, this week. Uh, Commander Bradshaw, you're with me on that. We had a very positive conversation about operational needs on our border. And this was a director, so uh, a straight voice to him on this. But I asked the question about, you know, 229 cops killed in communities throughout this country. How many... Uh, the president, vice president in this cabinet, how many funerals did they attend? And th- this is very personal to me after almost 39 years of law enforcement. And I think we all know the answer on that. I'm promoting that. We have to get our federal government, our federal leadership, start with the president, whether it be border, but most important, protecting our community law enforcement officers. And that's what this show is all about. I, that's why I respect Sherry so much. And folks, I'll say this. Thank a cop. Thank a deputy. Thank a trooper. Thank your federal agents. Because we're, we're, we live in our communities, too. We're sharing that. So, again, thank you for support on this show. Thank you, Sherry, Sherry, so much. Enjoy the Super Bowl as we're all watching tomorrow to watch the Eagles as my prediction comes true tomorrow. <laughs> uh, Todd Lindall, thank you so much for all you do. John Ladd, thank you for being a voice. Commander Bradshaw, thanks for your public service. Thank you, everybody. Tune in. See you all next week. Law Matters Live show airs every Saturday morning at 8. Our February 18th show will be a live debate between the independent candidates running for mayor. Law Matters is funded by your generous donations. 
please visit our sponsorship page located on lawmatters1030.org to join our mission and keep the conversation going. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org. KVOI Cortero, AM 1030, the voice of Tucson. Trusted local news and talk. A Bustos media station.